this week on One Body Stewarding God's Creation, Nolan Billings talks about his conversion into the Catholic faith. What brought him to consider the Catholic faith? Were there misconceived ideas about Catholics? What was it like to receive Jesus in Holy Communion for the first time? Well, let's find out. Nolan is being interviewed by Divine Mercy Radio's on-air host, George Tolman. I have Nolan Billings in front of me here. He's going to talk about his conversion story. So Nolan, Nolan Billings joined the church, Catholic Church two Easter's ago. So welcome home there, Nolan. Since then, he has married Caitlin, who is a nurse at Hayes Medical Center. Nolan is a mechanic at... Brogdon, Robert Brogdon and Hayes, and the couple has a six-month-old baby girl, Avila. Great name, by the way. Yeah, the family belongs to St. Nicholas Amira in Hayes. And so, Nolan, good to have you on here. And can you tell us a little bit about your faith growing up? Did you have a particular faith tradition? And how was the faith practice at home when you were a child? Yeah, thanks. Yeah, um, it's uh, amazing to be on here. I don't <laughs> feel too special, so I appreciate uh, having me and it's good to have we'll you on. Talk good to have about you my on. story. Hopefully, it impacts somebody. So, yeah, growing up, I grew up in uh, Kensington, Kansas, and I grew up as a Lutheran. My parents were extremely involved in the church, and we went religiously every week. And Nolan, can I ask what what uh, branch of Lutheranism by chance? ELCA. ELCA. Okay. Yes. ELCA. All right. And uh, so, I was very used to attending church regularly and faith was a big part of our lives and my parents were amazing parents and uh, had a perfect life really you know I mean (laughs) no one time I kind of remember thinking like you know really the only bad thing that's happened to me in my life is my great-grandpa passed away and you know just just had a great life great foundation of faith and uh and then eventually, after high school, I went to college at Hutchinson Community College down there for automotive. And uh, I remember thinking that, um, I just remember, I, I was going, to, I found a ELCA Lutheran Church there in Hutch and attended that regularly. And I enjoyed my time there, but I just didn't uh, have anything pushing me faith-wise. I didn't... Uh, I just went and I thought that's what I've always done and uh, so I thought I was doing pretty good and uh, my roommate at the time he wasn't a Christian at all and you know I wasn't necessarily trying to evangelize him like I said I just was kind of in my own bubble and thought I was doing good but we started talking about church one time and I remember him not knowing what the Lord's Prayer was, and I just thought, like, I was so arrogant in myself at that time. I remember thinking, like, how don't you know the Lord's Prayer, you know? (laughs) Like, you know, I'm a lot better than you, and, you know, I'll just keep going to church. Maybe you should go to church a little (laughs) more, you know? And that's really where I was in life, and I didn't didn't come to realize that until probably— I think it was that next year. I was good friends with my roommate still, and uh, he kept pushing me to... He did end up going to a non-denominational youth group and gotten involved in that, and he was probably doing a better job at evangelizing than I was, and he'd only (laughs) been Christian for, um, you know, less than a year. And 
I, I just, I was like, yeah, I'm Lutheran. I'm not going to go to the <laughs> non-denominational youth group and everything. And I'll stick to my Sunday one hour. And um, eventually he convinced me to come. And the first day I went, it was just a, a college youth group. And I just fell in love with all the people there. The first time I went, everybody was so kind. And um we started worshiping and singing music. I love music. I love singing. And, you know, it was a, had great music and great teachings and great speakers. And it was just incredible. And I started going every week. And I'm like, well, yeah, this is great. Of, of course I can go to this, you know, and church. And and so that's really where my, I realized that my, where my faith was lacking at. And I realized sure, that sure. I need to evangelize more and I need to pray more and you know just like everybody kind of realizes at some point in their life I need to be a little more committed to God and and I became involved in that youth group there my second year of college and just just fell in love with everything and really uh started pushing myself and my faith and um it was yeah. a great experience there, but through this whole time during college, I was dating my now wife, Caitlin, and we met each other in high school. And so Caitlin was Catholic. Caitlin grew up yeah. Catholic, and I grew up Lutheran. And so throughout this whole time at college and, and high school even, too, quite frankly, that I knew she was Catholic and I was Lutheran, and we didn't really know where that was going to take us in our future. And as we had our long distance relationship at college to realize that we're serious about Caitlin and uh, really loved her. And, you know, it was always starting to get in the back of my head about, well, she's Catholic and what am I going to do there? And, sure. you know, how's that going to work out? And uh, how involved I was at my youth group there made it even harder for me to become Catholic. If, if I was still back in my old ways where I'm like, well, I'm, I'm Lutheran, you know, they're not much different, like everybody says, you know, and I'll just, yeah, I'll become Catholic. But I had explored my faith more, and sure. and it kind of brought me deeper into Lutheran faith, too, and sure. started sure. studying what was going on there. And sure. uh, what, what did your formation look like? So did you have, did you have things like confirmation classes? Did you have, uh, you know, even, you know, Bible studies of some sort, youth youth groups. When you're growing up again, high school, you know, younger and all that. What did that look like for you in your in your formation as a younger kid? Yeah, sure. I mean, it was an incredible formation. We had uh, first communion, confirmation classes with the pastor of the church. I remember studying with my parents for the confirmation test. We, you know, went in front of the parish council and answered questions, and it was a very serious thing. And and their church there is amazing, full of amazing people. Um, and. Yeah, it was, it's an incredible church. You got better formation than some of us Catholics. I'll say there, it sounds like, you know, because you had, had that connection. Did you, was Luther Small Catechism ever part of your, yes. part of your, it was, okay, mm -hmm. okay. Folks, yeah, there's so uh, Martin Luther made a small catechism. What was your stance on communion? What what was was our Lord present? Was communion respected? How did that all work out as a in the in, as you were growing up? Yeah, and that's a huge conversation that um, I have. I came to uh, believe more about that and study more about that, and it's been a big topic of discussion between my parents and I. And what makes it very hard is because they 
ELCA, my parents do believe in the true presence and uh, in the Eucharist and communion. But it's such a difficult uh, question because there there still lies a difference between what Catholics believe and what my parents say they believe because quite frankly just based on the fact that I don't remember learning that in first communion. Oh wow. You know, wow. and maybe that was my fault. It sure could have been. But I feel like no Catholic doesn't at least be get told that through first communion. And I really didn't know that about my Lutheran faith until I started bringing it up to my parents uh, just the last, last couple of years. So sure. they do believe in uh, yep. the presence. Yep. So. Using its pure theological conversation here is that our Lord is truly present in, with, and under the presence of bread and wine, or consubstantiated is the phrase that, and, right. and for you, in Catholic Church, consubstantiation, we were, yeah, it's, it's in our Nicene Creed right now in a different way, but um, the point is, it's consubstantiation there for, for Lutherans. For a Catholic, we believe in transubstantiation, which is a big different, big difference there. However, again, like you're, and only it even sounds like, you know, even even currently just having those conversations. This is a sticking point here because both of us believe Christ is present at the altar. However, because of the difference between the consubstantiation and the transubstantiation, there is a big difference. Transubstantiation, again, properly consecrated for the Catholic, properly consecrated through through an ordained priest, the bread and wine become the body and blood of our Lord. For a Lutheran, properly consecrated our Lord appears in the bread and wine in with and under again he is present but he's present as bread and as wine. bread and wine so there's a difference there in this and this is the big maybe a good way to to um, to zero in on it folks is as Catholics we can have something like Eucharistic adoration because we believe Jesus is truly present and so we stick him out there in that consecrated host and we can have him out and be okay. You do that with a consecrated host from a Lutheran, that would be idolatry. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, absolutely the hardest part of um, my transition to the Catholic faith is uh, um, dealing with the fact that my parents can't take communion at Catholic Mass, and they love coming to Mass with me if we're there in town. And uh, you know, when I was when I became Catholic and um, received Holy Communion in the Catholic Church, they were there with me, and they're incredible parents, and they would be there by my side no matter what, and they're so happy about my faith. But it was the hardest thing that I've ever gone through is seeing them go up and be blessed and me receive it for the first time. So it's definitely been the the hardest part yeah. of our transition. When you went to that that youth group in college, you said it was non it was a, you said it was non denominational. Yes. Okay. Yep. Was there anything unique about that group that really stirred you to start studying your own faith? And then I guess for listening audience, what what did you do to study? Did you pick up a few books? Did you just listen to some podcast? You know, what what did you use as your arsenal to start learning more? So tell us a little more about that. What yeah, happened? I mean, we dove into the Bible every week, and um, we had a. I met with a group of friends there at college that did go to the youth group in the middle of the week, and we dug into the Bible even more, and that was the center of their focus, and I'm still great friends with all those people down there, and Wonderful. the biggest thing that really 
lit the fire in me is just the the brotherhood and the friendship of other Christians instead of being, I mean, I grew up in a small town and that church up there, I I knew everyone, but there wasn't a whole lot of people in my age group. So when I went to college and just continued going to a older age church every Sunday, I wasn't getting anything from it. And then when I started studying the Bible with people my age and, you know, that was what really sparked it. Fast forward a little bit, you're starting to get real serious in your affection, love for Kaylin. You two are, you know, getting that in terms of that relationship. Now the whole thing about religion, I'm sure, kind of starts. So start telling us your story about now, um, as I like to say, our blessed lady, you know, in the church, taking you by the collar and starting to bring you in. That is exactly what happened. <laughs> yeah. But so, anyways, I graduated from Hutchinson, and Caitlin was going for Hayes here. So I was ready to get a job. So I moved to Hayes and found my job. And quite frankly, we were just uh, we were living together, and we had this kind of this you know weight of sin that we didn't realize and so I was deeply in love with her and thought maybe if you would have asked me at that time in my life yeah I'll probably become Catholic but not very happy about it you know and don't know all my opinions on the Catholic Church weren't based on facts right now I thought Catholics taught works to get to heaven (laughs) I didn't understand the Eucharist still and I thought they worshiped Mary and the saints didn't understand praying to saints all the normal stuff Um, I thought Catholics thought they were better than everybody else like why do you need all these extra things I thought Catholics generally had a lot of kids just because of the commandment to multiply, you know, and populate the earth, which, of course, that has something to do with it. But, you know, I I didn't understand. I mean, I remember arguing with Caitlin about where we were going to get married completely based on how many people we could fit in the church. I wanted to get married in the Lutheran church, you know, and I remember saying, we've got two more pews than you do, you know, we could fit more people. And, And that was a conversation we had. And, but, I mean, eventually it really wasn't a a big hiatus I just eventually accepted that I was gonna we were gonna get married into in the church I wasn't going to become Catholic wasn't in that process yet but we started marriage prep because that's what you do and and we started it at St. Nick's with Father Jarrett and well funny story is on our on our way to our first meeting with Father Jarrett we weren't just a couple blocks from our house and a car ran the stop sign we t-boned him oh wow so, and everything was fine we, uh, it was a low speed collision but we weren't getting to our meeting on time and so you know didn't really think anything of it like it's just what happened um but then father Jarrett finally gets hold of us and he wasn't even at the church he wasn't even ready for <laughs> us he'd forgot about our appointment so and it, that's totally father Jarrett. and it's just a uh, pretty funny to think about that it wasn't anything special at the time but it probably was the devil just stabbing in there and saying you know no we don't want you to get married in the church we don't want you to pursue this you know like keep arguing about it you know and but eventually we did meet up with father Jarrett, and uh, it's really when our lives changed our caitlin and i's lives and or our relationship anyways Father Jarrett welcomed us with open arms in the middle of our sin in a way that I could only imagine Jesus would do. He was 
incredible with us and just so loving listen to us and with you know he contradicted what we were doing in such a way where i was just like yeah you're right you know father this is i'm gonna change like and you know it wasn't this son son in the room moment but we <laughs> left that first meeting and we wanted to change our lives and i it wasn't me i'm gonna become catholic yeah that wasn't what it was it he changed caitlin and i's relationship and he okay. changed how i thought about being a husband and how i thought about caitlin as my spouse and and so we continued through marriage prep and we learned more about theology of the body we learned about the husband's role as a spouse and the importance of the actual sacrament of marriage one big thing i remember learning from uh, marriage prep was the spouse is more important than your kids your parents and that was just really interesting for me to and then what's even more important than your spouse is god you know god your spouse your kids and then your parents yep and as getting married so young i was still very close to my parents you know just a couple years out of college and um of course uh cherish everything my parents say and things but there comes a point where you realize that uh your spouse is more important than your parents and your spouse is more important than your kids and that sounds crazy and and difficult to maybe understand but it just kind of comes down to if you if you and your spouse need a break from your kids that's fine you know you need to take that break because your relationship is is you know a step above we need to take a short break right now but stay tuned to divine mercy radio we'll be right back with more from nolan billings one body creation we're back on one body stewarding god's creation tears for jesus one man's journey into the catholic faith with nolan billings George Toman conducts the interview. So let's keep going here. So we're in, if I remember right in the story, we're in marriage prep, yeah. talking through things. So yeah, keep going on that. Yeah, we just uh, learned so much in marriage prep, and it really affected our relationship, and I couldn't imagine going th- not going through it. But we did get married, and we got married in, at St. Mary's in Smith Center, in Smith Center, Kansas, where Caitlin and her, uh, her parents are from. And... I just I loved the day. I loved being in the church. I uh, had no hard feelings, but when I was preparing this and thinking back on that, it's so crazy that I wasn't set on becoming Catholic at our wedding, and that really makes me sad because I wish I, I wish we could go through with how Caitlin and I feel about the church now. It would just be a lot uh, more special of a day, but it was very focused on uh, Caitlin and I's relationship, and we were just doing it in the church, and that was that was fine. So we got married, and eventually we realized that the RCAA was starting in at St. Nick's, and from what I couldn't have even told you what RCA meant for you know, <laughs> and I was and I just wanted to learn more about the church because I still didn't know much. I just knew we just went through the marriage prep. And I remember saying, let's go to this first meeting, you know, and I'm going to 
learn more about it and then I'll make my decision. And I really expected it to just be Father Jared or another priest just talking to us at a whiteboard and just telling us what we need to now believe to become Catholic. But from the very first day, it was Deacon Steve and four other uh, parish members from St. Nick's in one room with us. And that just blew me away that people cared <laughs> about our, um, our that we were learning about the faith. People cared that we wanted to learn more about the faith. And uh, there was just two candidates at the time. There was five teachers and two candidates in this room. And I just was really, I fell in love with just that kind of, the fact of that. It really felt like the whole body of the church cared about us and wanted to give us different uh, opinions of, you know, and give different uh, perspectives, you know, in all these different things that they're going to have to teach us. And um, another big thing that was great was that Caitlin went with me to That's every huge. single That's class. That's huge. Yes. And I couldn't uh, imagine it any other way because Caitlin learned so much about the faith, you know. And we like to say every Catholic needs to go through <laughs> RCIA because she had probably just as big of a conversion as I did. Wonderful. and But I had a conversion to the faith. She had a conversion in the faith. And, of course, you know, people, everyone needs to go through their own conversion eventually in life sure. and unless you're just perfect, you know. But uh, <laughs> um, everybody needs to learn more about their faith, even if they went to Catholic school, you know. And, sure, um, sure. Yeah, Deacon Steve does an amazing job at St. Nick's. I would encourage anybody to swing in whenever they're holding class on a random day. You don't have to hit it at the beginning. It's a, You'll learn something a very, very fun. In the RCIA process, Nolan, what were, some, what were some highlights for you there? Like, what were some things that you learned that you're like, didn't see, or did you have any aha moments or anything like that? Like, what, what stood out to you? as? Yeah, um, well, like I've said, um, I still didn't understand the Eucharist, and uh, I didn't understand. We didn't have communion at our wedding because we neither of us really thought it was that big of a deal. We said, "Well, half of the church is going to be Protestant, so we're just not going to mess with it." And we that was a huge aha moment because, like I've said at the beginning too, I went through first communion in the LCA Lutheran Church, and I didn't know about the presence. I'd never, never even thought. I'd never heard that anybody believed that. You know, I had not, just didn't under, didn't make sense to me at first. Um, then, of course, you read scripture and it's pretty uh, self explanatory about uh, how serious this is and how I, I think simple it is that we believe in the presence. And another thing was, um, I remember uh, talking about venial sins and. Um, mortal sins that was something that had never been mentioned in the lutheran church i uh, really grew up believing that you know every sin is is equal and the hard part for me to believe that i finally came to realize that you know catholics don't teach that it's harder to be forgiven for any certain sin but there are levels to sins you know <laughs> it's just like anything it what how bad does it hurt your relationship with Jesus? And exactly. that's the severity of it. Yeah, you know, um, just every week when I, when there was never anything throughout the whole RCA process that um, 
that I had been taught that I couldn't later come to accept, I guess. And accept might be a bad word because I don't just accept anything. I <laughs> There's not anything that I didn't come to believe truly in my heart about the Catholic faith. And what really persuaded me to keep studying and digging on my own after class, you know, was well, my parents, I'm going to talk to my parents about this, and I want to have an answer for them. And that pushed me, it still does, you know, to uh, understand my faith more. And the more that I tried to come up with my answers for why I was becoming Catholic, the more I fell in love with it. What was the main obstacle, or was there a main obstacle in the faith for you? Well, it was definitely a close communion to non-Catholics. And during my RCA even, you know, I was uh, bitter about not being able to receive communion because, um, and I think that probably changed once we covered that in our <laughs> Sure, sure. Um, but that was definitely difficult. Or And when I'd go home to my parents' church and I would still want to go to there because, you know, why not? You know, I'd want to go with my parents still. And then having to come to that decision point where, no, I can't receive communion here anymore. And when they come with me, when we're on a trip, maybe, and no, you you can't receive, or when we're at a wedding together and they can't. That was the hardest part about uh, the transition to becoming Catholic, and it still is, but uh, I've got such a great understanding of it now. I've come to accept it. And one of the biggest things that just lately that I have that has helped me on that topic is, you know, we all knew that John chapter 6 talks explicitly about why we believe in the true presence, and I don't see how anybody could really argue that, but it's, I took a while for me to understand why non-Catholics couldn't receive communion, because especially when my parents say that they believe in the true presence at their church, and I really, really just wanted them to be able to take it at communion. And really, that's the biggest difference between the ELCA, Lutheran, and Catholics is that they say they believe in the true presence, but they allow everyone to take it. Anyone who believes that Jesus Christ died for them can receive it. And that uh, that makes sense. And I like that. You know, my parents like that. But when I came across in 1 Corinthians chapter um, 27, Whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a man examine himself, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment upon himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. Paul says that this is such a grave manner that that's why you guys are sick, you know, and why you're dying. And if you believe the presence is in communion and allow anyone to take it. That just doesn't make sense, and that's why Catholics, and that's why we have close communion. But uh, anyways, that was definitely uh, the hardest part. But another one going through RCA was purgatory, of course. Mm, Um, I was never, uh, I had no idea what that was or why. (laughs) And and I got a Bible verse here that I helped me through that. um, Matthew twelve thirty six. But I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. You know, where it, of course Jesus accepts us with open arms, and, and we're all going to go to heaven if we believe that he died for us. But we're going to be judged 
you know, it says right there. And then in Second Corinthians 2, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due for us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Yes. And that Amen. pretty much sums it up. And another, uh, C.S. Lewis had a popular quote that I enjoyed that uh, helped understand purgatory for me a little bit more because he wasn't even Catholic. He was... Uh, <laughs> um, he was a atheist, and then his Catholic friend converted him to Christianity, and he was a Protestant, but he did believe in purgatory. And mm-hmm. he said, I, I don't feel like it would be very loving for God to usher us into heaven despite all the attachments to sin. I would rather be clean before entering heaven. Imagine it like this. You are at the gates of heaven, but you have all these dirty rags on, and you wouldn't even want to go in until you're perfectly clean. What was it like... For you to receive Jesus for the first time in Holy Communion. So you came in on an Easter vigil, I'm guessing? Yes. Correct? Okay, yes. It was a beautiful Mass, um, <laughs> an incredibly emotional. Um, I've already touched on it. My parents were there. My sister was there. Just a very, very special moment. My mother-in-law is my confirmation sponsor. Very, very big moment, in, and I was so ready for it. And... I remember going into the Mass, we were in the front pew, um, the lights were dim, and the crucifix just looked real. It was just uh, amazing. And and my in-laws will still say that that was the best Mass they've ever been to. It was, it was beautiful. <laughs> when Father Jarrett was pouring, blessing us with the holy oil, and uh, I was the first one, and he got way too much on my face <laughs> just got it all over and i was constantly wiping it out and i, I didn't care you know but uh well when after i had received communion and everyone saw that i was just crying and they everyone afterwards and still comes up to me like yeah you were crying because that oil was in your eyes and no i was crying because it was so raw and real that uh, when I saw my parents not be able to receive it and just and I wasn't regretting anything I was just sad that they couldn't and it made it realize how real this was and how meaningful it really was it wasn't just a this next step you do when becoming Catholic and that definitely made it real so I yeah I remember that uh like it was, yeah, two years ago. <laughs> yeah, no, two years ago. What was your saint name? What was your who's your confirmation saint? Saint Francis of Assisi. Saint Francis of Assisi, wonderful, very popular one. He was uh, one Deacon Steve had talked about during our beginning times RCA. So I, he was one of the first saints that I'd gone to study, and you know, just fell in love with him. I think the biggest thing at the very beginning when I was studying that drew me towards him um, was. Uh, the fact that he got the signs of the cross at the end of his life, and yes. I had never heard of that, and that blew me away. So. The stigmata, yes, yes, yes. What do you like best about being a Catholic or about the Catholic Church in general? I really enjoy being a part of such a large body of Christians that uh, have the similar views. and The Church has the structure, the skeleton to it that uh, um, is lacking in most other Protestant, and it wasn't just based off of one person's opinion 500 years ago, and now it's came to this. It's based off of what the apostles established, and uh, and when there needs to be change, it's based on many many weeks, months of prayer in the Holy Spirit and multiple people coming together and 
um, there's just a the skeleton there that uh, makes you feel confident about um, that his the decisions for the last two thousand years. And I like uh, having daily mass and adoration. I was um, I went to daily mass this morning. Um, <laughs> it was uh, just a great way to prepare for this, and um, yeah, just a easy way to worship the Lord more and adoration here, perpetual adoration at St. Mary's is amazing. More people need to take advantage of that. Amen. Amen. uh, I remember when we, Caitlin and I, first found out we were pregnant, we were very overwhelmed, very excited, very overwhelmed. (laughs) And uh, we went to adoration and I just stepped through the door and it just washed off of me. And I'm not somebody who says stuff like that very lightly. Sure. Um, it really, all the weight was gone. And and I'd just done a, the consecration to St. Joseph. And wow. um, I just, I was prepared to be a father through adoration, quite <laughs> frankly. And that really uh, made me okay with that. And um, it, the Catholic faith, my, one of the my other favorite parts about it is just its seriousness. And that's such a uh, simple word, kind of. And we've talked about that, where from an outside point of view, it looks like you're doing all these random things for weird reasons. You don't you don't need that. You don't need the bells at communion. You don't need um, holy water. You don't need all these things. But when it comes down to really thinking about, okay, what what are we doing here? Why are we here? Why do you come Sunday morning to church anyone in the world you know if you really think about why we're doing what we're doing and if we believe what we say we believe this is the most important thing in our life and so yeah I'm going to do every (laughs) every outward sign to help me worship you know and statues you know that was a hard thing and some people like well you worship statue you got all these statues and and uh well it's just an outward sign to help you help you keep focused you know really and sometimes for new people exploring the church it's the seriousness of it all is hard because you know you're like man these kind of all these weird things going on but if you're anything like me if you explore into why we do these just simple things you know why you genuflect why you why we use incense and no it's not necessary it's all about the visual signs of worship and yeah if you're anything like me you just uh, dig into the faith a little bit if you're questioning anything and there's an answer i mean for everything get a get a catechism read it (laughs) and get on youtube there's plenty of amazing videos on youtube that yes sir very good catholic people put together if there's a listener out there who is thinking about checking into the catholic church what would you say to them and also feel free if you have any shout outs or anything you want to do feel free to do that as well yeah kind of like i said dig into the faith don't just uh go to mass and say that was weird i don't understand that i'm gonna go back to where we sing and nobody cares about what i do just dig in and you'll find the answers to it and also kind of one of my pet peeves is don't run out of church after mass sing sing every verse of the last (laughs) song and then stick around for a few minutes that's what lutherans are good at is uh talking after mass and that's something we need to get better at and but like you said uh somebody who's exploring the faith is just stick around in the lobby a couple minutes don't run out because we all really care about you and we want to we want to meet you and uh, get to know you better and get you connected in the network and and 
that's kind of one of the problems about the about mass being so serious is there's no talking time in parish and so you just uh everyone will be welcome it will be very welcoming to you if you just hang around for a few minutes and that's right get you connected that's so. right Nolan, this has been a pleasure for me to listen to your story. Thank you. Have the courage to come on here and share it. Um, I, I do want to say that sometimes, so similar to an immigrant coming to the United States to remind us of how beautiful our freedoms are, sometimes it takes a convert to remind us of of why it's beautiful to be Catholic. And that's what you just did for for at least someone today, big guy. I appreciate so, that. Thank no, you, any other shout outs or anything before before uh, I let you go? Hey, everybody uh, that I know listening, and thanks for tuning in and. Hope somebody out there got something from my first story. If if you're if you really are listening out there and you're wondering about the faith, uh, just dig into it. Sounds good, Nolan. Great advice. Hey, thank you so much for coming in. I appreciate it. Right. Thanks for tuning in to this week's One Body Stewarding God's Creation show. If you are a business or service that would like to underwrite this show, please know that your spot will run three times during the show, which runs five times a week. Interested? Call 785-621-4110. You're listening to Divine Mercy Radio 105.7 KMDG Hayes, 101.7 KJDM Lindsberg Salina, 88.1 KRTT Great Bend, and 88.1 KVDM Hayes. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. One body.